The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. Joining me today on the panel are Thomas Sanarjo. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Dom. It's good to be here. And Jack Barazzini. Hi, Jack. Hey, Dom. Let's get right into it. Last week, we had a discussion with Pat and Father Andrew about Wi-Fi security tips. And we got some listener feedback. Uh, we got the, an email from uh, Billy Bones. I don't know if that's your real name or not, but if it's your real name, that is the awesomest name ever. You should be a pirate. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Billy. But uh, it was a great email. He said, I just listened to the latest episode of Secrets of Tech about home security Wi-Fi tips. Is there a brand or a specific Wi-Fi router you would recommend for a large family? And this is a particularly Catholic question, right? Large families mm-hmm. is often a Catholic thing. <laughs> um, and yes, boy, do we have suggestions. So where would you guys start with this question? Well, you know, where do you start with the de- with deciding what to do for a router for your home? I would say right off the bat, you're going to want to see what your square footage is and how your house is laid out so you can pick the best device to cover what space you have. Right, right, exactly. Bigger house, if you have multiple floors, if you get to cover like basement to to second floor, that's going to require something stronger or more spread out. Right, exactly. Yeah, and also realizing where your modem is is a yep. big deal. I think a lot of people forget that, you know, if you get your modem off in the corner of a house like I do, our our modem is in the back of our house, basically. Uh, you're going to need to make some different decisions about how you organize your Wi-Fi. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So often when the when they bring the cable or whatever it is into the house, it's on one corner, one edge. Very rarely is it centrally located in a nice central communications closet. Right. If I were, if you were to build a house from scratch, if I were to, I would have a central like networking hub closet. Um, mm-hmm. to, to a server room. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think going rack. forward, we're going to have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think that's the, in the future, we're going to have to make these sorts of allowances for utilities. It's going to include internet connection. All right. So there's basically two types of router that we can look at, right? Two basic styles is the the classic standalone router. It's one device that sits usually next to the modem. Um, and then there's the mesh, which is a bridging system that that like uh, that helps the signal extend the signal out let's put it that way it's like a repeater best, right right like the that's sort of the best analogy for it and what's nice about mesh systems is that it's seamless as you walk around with your device with your phone or your laptop or pad it, you you're switching between these devices seamlessly usually <laughs> yeah like all tech there are sometimes i've I've run into some issues where like why are you connected to the one on the way other side of the house i'm right <laughs> next to this one uh but that that thankfully doesn't happen too much um so there's th- th- those are the two basic questions although there's also a sort of a third type which is sometimes when you when you when you get uh cable service or 
uh, Fios, which is I have Verizon Fios, which is optical, or the other types of service. The modem, which is the device that brings the signal into your home from the provider, is also the Wi-Fi router. Uh, that which is the case that I had. Which I, I don't know about you guys, but my general advice is you you want to get off of that as soon as possible. Yeah, I would not recommend that option. I would also, if you want to get even deeper, get your own modem. But for starters, you definitely at least want your own Wi-Fi router. Right. Mm -hmm. We did kind of mention that a little bit last week as a in the security tips, but it also goes for just for performance. You're not going to mm -hmm. get the best performance out of that bundled router modem. Oh no, they're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then you have to, and then you can't fix it yourself. You have to take it back to the company to fix it, which is a right. whole nother set right. of issues. You usually can't even change the password on your own. Yeah, I was, I was surprised. I was very thankful about the fact that my company allows me to do that because that's one of the mm. first things I do is um, always change the password on yeah. any of these things that you get. Right, right. That's a good, that's a good follow on tip from last week. Is we talked a little bit about that, but yeah, change it if you can. And if you can't, it might be a good reason to go out and you can buy your own uh, modem. This is a sort of ancillary to the security, but you can buy your own modems. You're just going to make sure you get one that works with your particular provider. N not every mm -hmm. modem works with every provider. But again, that might be another another show we'll do right. <laughs> where we talk about that. Well, let's talk about the routers themselves. First, let's talk about the standalone routers. And right now, the, the standard uh, for Wi-Fi Remember, it used to be 802.11a or b or c and that sort of thing. Well, they figured mm -hmm. out that using engineering terms, you know, these engineering specifications, it just confuses people. So now they've decided <laughs> Wi-Fi 6, which is better than <laughs> Wi-Fi 5. You know what I mean? It's so so Wi-Fi 6 is the latest standard for um, uh, Wi-Fi routers. So that's but I have to say, there. I have to interject here. This is, yep. it's, it's sad because we're losing a little bit of the, like, the the classic throwback because the the 802 was a throwback to when they first made this in mm -hmm. 1980 and mm -hmm. that, that was it was february of 1980 so 802 yes <laughs> and that's and that's kind of like the it was it was a date that they had put on it like this is when we made the wi-fi standards and so we we don't have that anymore it's, <laughs> well that's what wikipedia yeah. is for to preserve that right. sort of thing right, there you us. go yeah there you go <laughs> so uh the you, you could basically say for most routers that would be capable of covering a a normal home, let's say, and a an average number of devices. Now, because you got to think about this, we're not just talking these days about uh, a computer, a home computer, you know, off in the corner. It, most most members of a family, if they're above the age of thirteen or fourteen, have a, a device these days in many families. Just for in, just in my house, which is I know is abnormal. I have my iMac that I use for work. I have a laptop. I have uh, two network st attached storage devices that are also on the network. Uh, you have I have an Apple TV which is on the network. I have, and that's just me. And of course, my phone and my iPad. And then my wife's got a phone, and she's got her laptop. And then we've got like five iPads that the kids share. And you know, so, and then there's all the smart home stuff: Cam uh, cameras, mm -hmm. security cameras, doorbells, l light bulbs. All that stuff is on your network. And so you got to think about that. And, and that's only going to increase over time as more and more things become, quote unquote, smart. So you want to make sure that you're taking into account all the things you're going to want to put on your network 
and and so some of these devices we'll talk talk about they will accommodate up to x number of wi-fi devices at a time you don't just assume well 25 that's plenty who who could who could possibly need more than 25 <laughs> devices you'd be surprised especially with a large family <laughs> right right you get there fast so uh so the so i i looked up some of the uh, recommendations so let's start with the small if you have a small home like even a, an apartment small family you know you've got you know uh, just two spouses and a couple of younger kids you don't have a lot of devices you might be able to get away with the TP-Link Archer A7 which is 60 bucks uh it it's not all that strong like as in the the distance the signal can reach which might actually be good for if you're in a in an apartment building cuz you don't that signal leakage into other people's apartments it can get a little messy so uh it's it's so but it's not all that strong it's a Wi-Fi I think it's a Wi-Fi 5 router so it's the not the most recent uh the standard so it's it's a one step back but it's only 60 56 dollars at Amazon right now it's about 60 bucks so it's it's affordable and it's it's a nice starting point even like in a dorm room or a small mm-hmm. college apartment might be and then from there uh, uh, so the brands that I kind of looked at were Synology Netgear Asus and TP-Link uh mm-hmm. Synology is a standalone router that's kind of the Cadillac it's it's really like I, I use the Synology Networks to, uh, attached storage devices. It's got a really great interface. It's like a gra- it's like a, a Mac or Windows machine in a web browser. It's just really easy to use, really smart. Um, yeah, but it's the most expensive. It's uh, of the ones that we're looking at here in the standalone uh, at two hundred bucks. You can go even more. There are there are versions of these routers which go more expensive but they're faster they can accommodate more things um that sort of thing so what do you guys think of 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 this what what how does how does it fall out for you um for me i think that if you have a really small space like if you're in an apartment or a house that's like 1500 square feet or less you can probably get away with a standalone one um but you're going to look at the antenna strength because anything more than like if you're if you have anything more than like a dorm room or an apartment you're going to want something that has a pretty decent range because mm-hmm. you just have one point rather than multiple points right especially if there's any walls between you and where your router is going to be right because that's going to that's going to interfere no matter what uh no matter how powerful the signal is if there's a wall between you and the router it's going to reduce the signal Especially if you live in an old house, which might mm-hmm. have uh, lathe the the wire mesh in the wall with the lathe. Right. I, I lived in a, re- a cage. rectory once that was like that, and I could barely get signal outside the rooms I was renting. So yeah, it's yeah, it uh, becomes a fair. It becomes its own kind of Faraday cage. Right? Yes, exactly. No <laughs> signal leakage. Yes, nobody can can uh, can surveil me. One thing to keep in mind is you'll see references to the number of streams that a router can do. The more Mm -hmm. streams, the more expensive. The more streams means the more uh, devices that can be using it in parallel. In other words, the more people that can be online at once using the full bandwidth available Mm -hmm. of the device. Right. So every stream has to be divided by the number of users who are on that stream. So that's in these days. A lot of people are using a lot of data all together in one place uh, with various like classes, you know, Zoom classes and that sort of stuff. So uh, it's something to keep in mind. 
Yeah, and if you if you don't think about the home devices, you really need to because they are pretty constantly sending some kind of signal back and forth, uh, and they do eat up that stream uh, connection. So yes, you can't forget them. Yeah. So that's uh, so we'll have a link to to several different ones that uh, that I, I recommend in the show notes. So there's the there's a couple different TP Link. There's an Asus. There's the Netgear Nighthawk. These are all well-known brands. They're really good. Let's let's talk a little bit about the other kind of routers. And this is the kind that I have, which is a mesh system. I have the Eero mesh. I, the, the latest one is the Eero 6. I have the one before that, which I suppose is Eero 5, although I don't remember the number. But I, I suppose it is. Uh, and what they are is there's, there's usually a central router, so something that connects directly to your modem, and then these satellites or extenders that you put around your house and uh these work pretty well and they're they're they tend to be a little bit more expensive because you're getting multiple devices out of them uh eero if the a basic eero system an eero 6 with one router and one extender is 160 bucks right now on amazon mm -hmm. eero is owned by amazon so something to keep in mind another uh one that's out there uh is a that you often hear about is the google wi-fi mesh Mm -hmm. uh, and that comes with, that's an interesting one that comes with three interchangeable pods, essentially. It, they're all the same. So it doesn't matter which one you connect to the modem. They all work the same. But Google, that's 200 bucks for three of them. Google also sells, of course, a whole nother mesh system called Nest Wi-Fi, which is newer. And that's more of like the era where it has a router and an extender. Uh, and that's pretty expensive at 269 bucks for one router, one extender. Mm -hmm. But the, the the big difference is that it the it acts acts each one acts as a smart speaker, so it's like you're also getting a Google Hub or whatever they're calling them, Nest Hub these days. Um, so something to keep in mind there. There are other brands out there. There's uh, Ubiquity. There's uh, there's a bunch of them out there. Uh, but I have experience with Eero. What about you guys? Do either of you have experience with any of these? I actually just switched to Eero in the past week. Um, I was running off a Linksys router before. I just had one, um, and my house is about 2,000 square feet. Um, we had an issue where we had the uh, Wi-Fi router up in the corner, uh, corner room, kind of on the second level of the house, and it would cover about 75% of the house fine, but when you get in that back corner, it would completely cut out. So I set yeah. up the Eero. Um, I got it in a couple of days ago. I actually got it on Black Friday. Um, and I have the the two device system and they're both identical. Like it comes with the one router and you can plug either one in as the gateway one and then use the second one as the repeater. So I just have those at opposite ends of the house and it works fantastic. Nice. Okay. Yeah. The Eero six. Yeah. They're, they have the identical ones. Yeah, that's true. And they have, they, they also do the whole, you know, this is best for homes of this size with this many right. square feet. I had a similar problem. That's what I why I got the Eero. I had my my uh, modem comes in on one corner of the house in the office where I sit, uh, and my bedroom is on the other side of the house. When my wife is often in there working on her computer or working with the kids, and it just had terrible connection all the way over there. I tried all kinds of different extenders and that sort of thing, and finally I said, "That's it. I'll just get something made for it." And I did get the Eero, and it's been great ever since. I got the one with the two extenders because whenever I tried one extender at uh, with the previous system, it just was it was just that much too far. 
So I right. ended up getting and, and I don't have a convenient my house's electrical system, the way the outlets are laid out is, is kind of dumb. I didn't have a convenient outlet directly in the middle. So I ended mm-hmm. up uh, it, doing it uh, with the two of them. But it, it's been great. Um, and Eero comes with some great tools. Uh, yeah, as no, part definitely. of it. So that, was, that was one of the things I was going to ask is, does it, is uh, the mesh systems are kind of app dependent, right? You have to have an app to run them or do they just work sort of on their own? So to configure, uh, that, that's a good point. So to configure the Eero and the Google system, you use an app on your phone. To, okay. to configure most standalone routers, you, you get at them through a, a, a local address like 192.168, whatever, through a web browser on your network. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most, I think, in fact, I think a lot of them are going toward uh, phone app configuration. For whatever reason, I, I'm not sure, maybe it makes it easier for them to update the, the control software because it's not in the firmware, it's just an app that you right. download. So that might I think be it that. also reminds people not to just plug it in and let it go. Right. <laughs> you know, yes. like introducing people and saying, hey, you need to get your phone out and actually interact with this thing. That, yes. That's a good habit to be in. <laughs> right. It helps you keep on top of actually monitoring your network. Mm-hmm. Like the Eero will tell you how many um, if you use Eero Secure, which is their security um, suite that you can get. It's like I think it's two ninety nine a month. So it's not yes. that bad. And it has ad blocking and it will detect security threats. Um, yes. and it just gives you a bunch of different metrics so you can actually see what's going on on your network rather than just completely ignoring it. And, and it will tell you which devices are, are you know, getting the malware intrusion attempts or, you know, and, or getting things on the website so you can go to your wife and say, honey, why is it your computer that's always getting the malware <laughs> alerts? What are you doing? <laughs> Not that that ever happened to me. Stop clicking on <laughs> yeah. those links. Yeah, yeah. Like, stop <laughs> clicking on random links on Google. I think the um, the Euro is also really good as a family solution because it lets you set up profiles so you can put yes. specific devices in profiles. So, like, if you have all your kids' computers and tablets in one profile, you can have the internet shut off to those devices after, like, 7 p.m. Exactly. And you can also filter out any content you don't want them to see. Yep. All right. You're and you can, you can filter <laughs> yeah. out different kinds of services. I mentioned last week one of the problems I've had with it, though, is I wanted to not allow streaming services, YouTube, uh, you know, Disney Plus, Hulu. I don't want that. Like, I want to lock that down and not have them be able to do that on their devices. But it it lumps in Apple Music and I want them to be able to they can, mm. should be able to listen to their music. That shouldn't be the same thing. You can whitelist servers, so I'm still got to f- trying to figure out what Apple's Apple Music servers are, so I can put them on the whitelist th- so that they're allowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this Apple Secure, I mean not Apple, Eero Secure and Eero Secure Plus is an additional thing which adds uh, subscriptions to One Password for Families, Malware Bytes, and Encrypt Me, Encrypt.me VPN. I was already using One Password for Families and Encrypt.me. So and I was paying a lot more than ninety nine bucks a year for all for all of that. So this is actually cheaper for me to get them through this. So if that's if that's something you might want to do, it's something to keep in mind. And then it gets all you get all that content filtering and intrusion blocking and ad blocking. Uh, one interesting thing I, that it does do though is um, it tells you your activity. So I can look right now and it says my uh, my download speed right now m- m- most recent uh, was one hundred two megabits per second. Uh, my fastest upload of the of this week has been 120 megabits per second, which is interesting. Uh, and it gives me data usage. And uh, I looked in November, 
which was interesting. My November data usage uh, was four point. Don't tell uh, Verizon four point six terabytes. Wow. <laughs> <Nice>. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think. Not surprising, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, I impressive. think it's because I moved my my uh, two terabyte I, I iMac to an external SSD. And so my Backblaze mm. backup must have re-uploaded all that mm. uh, in addition to my normal usage. So, uh, yeah, let's let no one tell Verizon that I used for not that they don't know. Uh, but uh, but it, it gives you this data and you break it down by day, by machine, you know, which devices are mm. doing it. Uh, so it gives you a lot of data, which is really cool. It also means people can jump on your Wi-Fi without you knowing because it will notify you whenever a new d device joins. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. And yeah, it has a nice interface that shows you all the devices, the their network names. You can categorize them. So you can put things in profile. So I have all my smart home stuff in a profile. So if something goes wrong, I can turn all the smart home stuff off from the internet, just disconnect it all at once, which is nice. Same thing with the with the kids' profile. I can just turn it off you guys are are out of control off goes the internet for you yeah. <laughs> i still have internet uh but you could do that but uh, it also allows you to name and categorize everything so you so you know what all the devices are and you know once in a while i see something on there and i go i don't know what you are and i'll kick it i can kick it right off my network uh from the interface and that you know that is uh I, i'm sure it's it in my network has a pretty decent password, so I I'm not worried that someone's getting on my network. But you could do that if you if you had any worries about that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is kind of sounds like an ad for Eero, but it's just the one I, I know. Say that, <laughs> <laughs> and it's the one that Jack knows. So uh, well, I, think, but, I think any mesh any mesh network they're moving towards that more um, you know mobile app friendly yes. management yeah. system. So. Yeah, I, I feel like mesh is the future of this, unless you live mm -hmm. in a very small home. With not a ton of devices, a mesh is going to give you the most options and the best general speed. Um, there are specialized reasons, I think. You might want a high-end standalone router, too, gaming and certain other things like that. Mm -hmm. But I think for, for average folk, I think a, a, a mesh Wi-Fi system is a, is a good idea. And one thing uh, to remember is when you're buying your router, make sure that the max speed matches the speed of your ISP. So if you're paying for 350 megabits down, make sure you're buying a router that is at least 350 megabits, preferably more just to give yourself a little bit of a buffer. But you want to make sure that you're not bottlenecking yourself with a, a Wi-Fi router that is slower than your ISP is providing. Right. It used to be that any net internet connection would be faster than any router, but that's not really the, or no, the other way around. Any router would be faster than any internet connection, but internet connection speeds have been going up. So yes, that's that. So you want to make sure you're at least as much if, but usually have more router speed. And most of the ones we've talked about here have uh pretty good router. Like the, the, the lowest end one I have is the uh, TP-Link Archer A7. And that's it gets 1750 megabits per second, which is really mm -hmm. high. So, yeah. but, but also, you're subdividing that among everyone. So just you know, that's right. also something to keep in mind. <laughs> like all the devices are sub are dividing that speed up. Uh, another thing I, I to, to think about here too, is when you are thinking about your network, if you want to delve into it a little bit and get yourself a switch that you can uh, mm -hmm. split your network off from your modem and kind of section it up. 
uh, it can be good to do that if you want a, a dedicated router for one device or two devices that you want a lot of high speed for, and then another one that's a kind of a mesh router for your house. Um, I, I know there's instances where you could do that. I'm doing that in my house right now where I have my printer and my um, stationary computer and my servers uh, all on a switch by themselves directly lined in so they don't share any of the bandwidth with anybody else. Right. And that way the speeds you can maintain a little bit higher. Now, that, the caveat to that is you need to know a little bit of networking. <laughs> you have to right. be able to program the switch and make sure you have all the IP addresses set up properly. But if you do know that, it can be a really neat way to uh, increase the speeds for the things that you want. Well, even if you don't know how to program a switch, or it's uh, having the the ethernet speeds will almost always be faster than wi-fi mm -hmm. so if you can mm -hmm. run a cable from the from a device a computer or other device directly to the router and the modem you're going to generally get better speed so i have a i have a 24 port router in my mm -hmm. in my office here that i use to connect to the to, to the router and the, um i'm sorry i have a 24 port uh, switch i connect to the router that connects to the modem and all that stuff is going to be at the at you know gigabit speeds or right. actually I think it's a ten gig router. There's going to be higher speed than the Wi-Fi, and that's just better for podcasting or for Zoom meetings <laughs> so that all that other stuff than than Wi-Fi, which can have signal interference from microwave ovens and you know other stuff that that can cause signal interference. So uh, that's another consideration: is if at some point you may want to run some cables and, and get higher speed if you need it. So good. I think, I think that's a good beginning. Well, routers are a big topic. Networking is a huge topic. Uh, we'll probably come back to it. And if, and if listener, you have, if anybody has any more questions on this thing, we're happy to, to, to discuss it, answer the questions best we can and give any advice we can. Um, there, there are, I've set up more than a, a few uh, routers and modems in rectories and in churches and in schools as well. So there may be some uh, things we could talk about that are specific to those sorts of questions as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there there are more routers that have been in, in uh, Wi-Fi installed in churches in the last year <laughs> that I think have been in a while. So uh, yeah. for, for live streaming. All right, let's move on. Uh, but first, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Father Paul H., Sidney O., John W., S.R., and Joseph G., their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. All right, let's talk about the big news of the day. There's We've got a few headlines. <laughs> Here's one. I know we were all watching this together. This uh, the, the Starship, SpaceX Starship was launching uh, this. We were recording this Wednesday evening. It was uh, due to go up here on Wednesday. Well, first it was due to go up on Tuesday, December 8th, uh, the Feast of Immaculate Conception. And uh, they had to scrub the launch at one second to go, uh, which was that was tough. That was a tough uh, scrub for I'm sure it was worse for them than for us. But we're all gathered around. The, we're eating dinner, gathered around the dinner table on my, looking at my phone because I'm like, oh, it's going to go up. And and then it stops like, ah, uh, but uh, then it then it did it uh, today on Wednesday. They were able to launch it. There was another delay and it went up. It came down. It exploded. So, <laughs> so 
what's <laughs> but the guys at SpaceX don't seem too unhappy. So what's going no, on? No, they love this. This no, is yeah, fantastic. Yeah. This was actually better than they were considering. They weren't even thinking it was going to get off of the launch pad. There was a lot of consideration that there was about a 40% chance that it was going to blow up just right there. <laughs> that kind of would have been cool too, but <laughs> yeah. I had, had a, an 11 year old who was dying for that. And then when, when he watched the first half of it and then shut it off oh. and I said, you didn't watch it explode. And he's like, what? It, <laughs> it was great to go back and watch it with him after that. Yes. <laughs> nice. Yes. The explosion was pretty cool. So, uh, so what were they trying to do today uh, with the launch? Basically, they were just trying to gather data on the Raptor engines and seeing if they could even basically put a five-story building up in the air and hover <laughs> it and then flip right? it around, which they did that all was, that. Oh my gosh, it looked it was amazing. amazing. I you and the, it's hard to get the it's hard to get an impression of the size of this thing. But when you think about it, if you go and watch it, you have to keep in mind that there is space on the top of that device for thirty-two astronauts to yeah. sit. Wow. That's that's how big this thing is. And and it's it, it it is really hard to wrap your mind around that because I, I you know I, I had one of my kids comment, "Oh, look, it's like a toaster in front." And I'm like, "No, sweetie, that's like a tool shed. That's not a toaster. <laughs> that is a yeah. tool shed." Yeah, it and it, it, the 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 size is hard to get your brain around when you're used to what we're seeing launch uh, most of the time, which is these very slender, you know, tall devices that can only carry four or five people. Right. How does it compare to like the Saturn V? Was that still bigger, right? Um, the the launch mass of the Saturn V is larger, but the circumference of the uh, of Starship, the um, space Starship, yeah, is yeah. bigger than the Saturn V. Mm-hmm. Like the Saturn V is really, really powerful. It's also really, really tall. The Starship is shorter and more squat, but it's just it's bulky. Okay, yeah, it's a. Uh, I guess I'm looking at us uh, online. There's the 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 current version is about a little, about a little less than half the length of uh, Saturn V but it's bulky. Yeah. But the Saturn V like I've seen the one in Cape Canaveral the, the they have the in the inside the building mm-hmm. there and it's massive. It is incredibly huge. Yeah. Uh, right. so but but this is still it's 164 feet tall the the right. starship. That is that is massive. Um and and so it went up 7.8 miles hovered yeah. then they laid it on its side and let it descend like that, and then they tilted it back straight up, and were trying to land it standing mm-hmm. up. And yeah. nobody and expected them to be able to do that. Not they. They didn't even expect to get as far as they did. Yeah, like, this is this was within the ten percent range. Like yeah, the, there there was a five percent chance. I think was what they were saying that it would actually land. So this was really really close and you can almost see what happened uh like when yeah. you watch it looks like the one of the one of the two stabilizing boosters went out and then if you watch the flame it sort of changes colors right there at the end right and i think part of the problem is that there was just a bunch of like gas fuel left over right on the launch pad that oh, caught back okay. they were saying that uh part of the problem was that the fuel pressure was too low and so they got the ballast off, basically, and yeah. they hit the ground too hard. Okay, ah, man. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. Elon Musk's tweet said, uh, causing touchdown velocity to be high and rapid unscheduled disassembly, which I think is the <laughs> word of the day. I'm going to name the episode, the episode that, rapid unscheduled disassembly. It's another word for crash. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, uh, you know, somebody pointed out that no other company that's doing these um, launch tests is showing it to the world in this right. way uh you know blue origin has video 
of their launches, but the video that they take are not live and they're of successful launches. And if it is live, then it's of what they know is going to work. Like they've already tested it and there's no way something's going to blow up on them. Uh, so it's really like SpaceX really is letting everybody in to, to watch them, to watch them fail. You know, that they, they were expecting this to fail. There was no, nobody, they would have been absolutely jubilant if it had landed and, oh, yeah. and looked awesome. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. I meant to do that. <laughs> uh, right? And that's exactly what it would have been. Well, it amazes me is the criticism uh, that's being leveled. They're saying, oh, we shouldn't be put, you know, letting private companies be, you know, doing this sort of thing, the crashing as many rockets as they do. And it's like, does no one remember NASA in the early 60s? Like, yeah. th they weren't sure that the Redstone rocket carrying Shepard wouldn't crash and explode mm -hmm. on the launch pad. Like, uh, this is this is how we do it. You know, we 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 keep blowing them up until they don't. You crash them now so you don't crash them later. Right. Exactly. Right. Well, and even then, we the, you know, the, the shuttles, we learned so much from the the two shuttle disasters that we had that taught us so much about what we need to be checking for when launch is going, what kind of things we need to be checking for in space before they come back into the atmosphere. Um, and that's, that's kind of the hazard and the advantage of pushing space exploration is that uh, it's science and science right. is experimentation. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So really cool, really exciting. And if you get to watch it, watch Watch the the, the launch, uh, the flight, and the landing as it as it is uh, <laughs> included. The, just the awesome fireball that was on that launch pad. Yeah, the whole that's thing no, is just amazing. That's no special effect, folks. That's the real thing. So <laughs> definitely don't watch get it, cheated. Watch it twenty times too, because it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just yeah. just back it up a few seconds, go again. Back it up a few seconds, go again. <laughs> my uh, my seven year old said because you could see the the nose cone of the of it sitting there on the launch pad after the explosion, and she said, uh, "Oh, it must." have been made of Beskar because it survived <laughs> a little Mandalorian in joke no spoilers though but uh. <laughs> all right so let's move on from the exciting world of space to the world of uh, federal <laughs> uh, monopolistic antitrust lawsuits I heard so, you nearly say boring <laughs> <laughs> yes well you know I, so I'll, I'll be honest I find that discussion of lawsuits and that sort of stuff tear-inducing tear boring when I hear other podcasts talk about. So I don't want to get into all of the politics and all of the legal stuff so much as I want to talk about uh, what what the implications are for users, the regular folk who listen to our show, frankly. Uh, and that's this case that came out just Wednesday night. Uh, the Federal Trade Commission and 40 states attorney generals, 40, have filed a lawsuit against Facebook calling for their breakup, uh, basically uh, monopolistic practices, and they want them to divest themselves of Instagram and WhatsApp and saying that they they are using their monopolistic power to absorb competitors that who could have one day challenge their dominance of social media. So the first question is, is what is, like I said, what is the, what does it mean for for Facebook, for the point of view of a user, like what's going to happen? Are we going to, is Facebook going to go away? Are we going to lose our Instagram accounts? Are they get shut down WhatsApp? What What do you think is the, the first here? What's it mean for us? Those companies are way too big for them to just kind of disappear. Mm -hmm. um, e even independently, uh, the valuations on them when they were first bought were astronomical and they've only become more uh, popular and 
more valuable since then. So WhatsApp and uh, Instagram are not going to go away. Facebook is obviously not going to go away. But one of the things that is going to happen is the way that that images are collated at Facebook is going to change because they used a lot of the code from Instagram to make that happen. And they're going to have to figure out how to untwine those two things mm. and make them both still work independently. Yeah. One of the things that I was thinking about is, is I wonder if it's going to change the way Facebook uh, moderates the site, runs the site, runs our experience of it. Cause I've heard a lot of complaints about the way Facebook and Instagram work. It's it, 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 People complaining about, well, there's the over-moderation of things. So there's that whole question and censoring and that sort of thing. But also just the messing with you when you, all you want to do is look at your most recent feed and they keep hiding it on you and that sort of stuff. And I'm wondering is this isn't likely to change any of that, right? No, I don't think so. not really. I think it's going to be interesting to see um, – how the audiences split between these services. Cause like I use Instagram a lot, but I almost never use Facebook. And if I could get rid of the whole Facebook component of Instagram, I would be fine with that. So mm. it's going to be interesting to see how many people who just use one service drop the other mm. one because they don't have to have it anymore. Right. right. What's fascinating to me is the way that Facebook has run Instagram is they've run it not so much as a you know absorbing it so it isn't competitor for Facebook, but as a but they're running it as a competitor to crush Snapchat and TikTok. Mm-hmm. You know, Instagram Stories was taken right out of Snapchat, and now Instagram Reels is exactly what it's TikTok just inside Instagram, and that seems to me if you want to accuse them of monopolistic practices or you know uh, violating antitrust practice uh, law, uh, that's where you would look. But that's not necessarily like if you spin off Instagram, it's still going to have all that. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Do, do you think that Facebook, by buying Instagram and, and WhatsApp, has reduced c- competition? I think what, what you're going to find as they get further into the, the lawsuit is that Instagram is protected by Facebook. And so if we spin Instagram off as, it own, as its own company, it's going to be harder for them to do that kind of thing where they can just, you know, steal an IP from another company and make it their own. Uh, And that's that's where the real kind of breaking up of this monopoly is going to take effect, where they're they're not going to be able to just hide behind, you know, the parent company of Facebook and say, ah, you know, we can throw as many lawyers as we want at it. And um, Snapchat's never going to be able to do anything to us. One of the things that seems to me that a lot of people talk about, and maybe one of the reasons why they don't go to a different competitor social service social media service from facebook is just the hassle of starting someplace new you know like Mm -hmm. a lot of people in recent months have gone to parlor a lot of people i know which is you know more conducive to conservatives or MeWe, which is so parlor is more of a twitter alternative MeWe.com is more of a facebook alternative uh there are others out there but one of the things that holds people back is well I just I only have enough attention for one service or maybe two services. Mm-hmm. And I just don't and all my friends are on Facebook and all my family's on Facebook and then they're not going anywhere. Do you think that really does, does that matter? Does that matter to monopolistic, you know, uh, the monopoly regulators at the federal government? 
I don't think they really have thought about that yeah. aspect, yeah. to be honest. I, I think a lot of times you get people who don't even fully understand the technology who are putting forward these lawsuits. Not mm-hmm. that I disagree with the idea of breaking up Facebook necessarily. I mean, it depends on the details. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this affects how data is stored, because if mm-hmm. you have to break up where these companies are, they going to have to move all the data to a different uh, server farm? How is that going to work? Right. Yeah. I mean, the thing that concerns me about Facebook is not that it it crushes other social media services before, you know, in their womb before they can rise to, to con- compete. It's they use their uh, their their reach into our lives and, our, uh, and all this data that they have on all of us to to do things that are not good about, you know, mm-hmm. that are nefarious. Right. And yes, I suppose if you cut them off from Instagram and WhatsApp, that's some less data that they have. But. I don't know that it changes Facebook fundamentally in that respect. It, they still have the reach and the power that they have today uh, fundamentally. Yeah. I think the most likely thing is people just stop using WhatsApp and Instagram before they stop using Facebook. Yeah. That's probably true. Well, I don't know. WhatsApp has a really good international following. That's so true. I, I yeah. think that um I think really the the biggest thing that that bringing WhatsApp into the Facebook fold did was bring a bunch of international markets that they weren't able to grasp before right. into Facebook. So and the the other thing to keep in mind is, is this isn't going to this isn't going to be uh take done in a year. This is probably going to take a decade or more. This is like the Microsoft mm-hmm. antitrust lawsuits right. of the 90s. It's going to it this you, they got enough lawyers and enough money that it will go on for year after year after year after year. This is going to be forever. Well, I think one of the one of the other things too with this lawsuit is like watching uh, how focused it can stay. Because, like you're saying, with the, you know, how do we break up what Facebook is by itself? That that kind of monolithic information gathering, uh, you know, crazy big brother sort of thing. And that's not the target of this particular lawsuit it doesn't seem it seems like this lawsuit right. is more about buying companies and kind of subsuming them so it'll be interesting to see how much that distracts from the actual lawsuit itself this right. other idea of facebook as big brother as all as well as the question of the which is what all the politicians are on about is the censorship they're, mm-hmm. they're really the politicians are all about you know they censor points of view and that's not a part of this lawsuit either so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if that stuff comes in at some point mm-hmm. Um, so what does it mean for Google, Amazon, and Apple? Because they're also uh, usually lumped in with Facebook as big tech. Um, is, does some, are they coming for – I know that there's been some more stuff said about Google, but I mean, what, what are they, what are they going to say to Amazon and Apple as well? And the users of those. Apple seems safe. Yeah. Apple's very vertical. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think Amazon and Google are definitely potential targets for the same kind of thing. Right. Apple, while it has very popular phones and other devices, it's not the majority player in the market. They can clearly say, we, you know, even all with all those iPhones out there, that Android is a bigger market. So mm-hmm. that they, they seem fairly safe there. Yeah. Amazon, I could see being, should maybe be a little worried about being perceived as a, as a monopoly, but given that it's, it's the 800 pound gorilla of e-commerce and mm-hmm. out there. And it's hard for anyone to compete, even a big company like Walmart uh, and Google in search. It's just, that's, it's the dominator. And mm-hmm. uh, um, so that's something to keep in mind. And uh, other, are there other companies that should be worried out, out there that we thinking about? 
Well, I think when you talk about Google, you have to remember to talk about Alphabet, which is the the parent company that they spun off for exactly this reason right. to kind of you know pull the focus off of Google and say, oh, well, no, we have this corporation that's interested in tech investment and we right. just have people that are interested in doing that, you know, and yes, they're not affiliated with Google directly, but it's not like they don't benefit from being part of the same parent company as Google. The, like there isn't the same people uh, setting the direction for all of the mm. parts of Alphabet, right? It's uh, it's interesting. I, I think I, I think for the our listeners, from their point of view, there isn't much to say. There isn't much to, to glean from this. We, we right. don't know what it means for us yet. And that's I think that's the bottom line so far. Just bears watching, and we'll we'll keep an eye on it. But uh, except that we get to see Mark Zuckerberg sit in front of Congress and be as much of a robot as he always has, <laughs> which is always funny to me. Are we sure Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> is still alive and that it is not a simulation? Uh, but yeah, but possible. All right. Well, speaking of Google and Alphabet, uh, there's another headline. YouTube is now saying that it it. It's changing how it will handle. This is not about politics here. So I just want to say that off the bat. This is more about how YouTube censors. Um, anyway, it's changing the policy for how it handles videos about the 2020 presidential election. It will remove new videos that, quote, mislead people by claiming that widespread fraud or errors influence the outcome of the election. Now, whether or not you believe that and that I'm not going to make any come down on either side on, on that. From from my point of view, it seems fairly chilling that you, they're 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 saying you're not allowed to to express your belief in this about this public policy thing, this public thing that affects all of us. You're not allowed to say I think there was fraud, and that because today we're talking about the 2020 presidential election. What is it going to be tomorrow that we're not allowed to talk mm -hmm. about in mm -hmm. this? Basically, privately owned public square. Uh, what do you guys think of this? I think it's a hard one. Um, I mean, I, I understand the desire to kind of tamp down on just basically how this year has gone um, in either direction. Um, but the problem is YouTube is a private company, so they technically have the right to do that. But mm -hmm. they are kind of the de facto place where you go for videos. So... Censoring YouTube is essentially censoring someone at this point. Right. It's just like Google delisting someone. If you're not right, you, you can have a website, but if you can't be found on Google, then you may as well not exist. Can I just say we've become lazy Interneters? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think ultimately that's like the Internet is fantastic, but it has made us incredibly lazy. And and that's not even just in, in regards of like, you know, fact checking or anything like that. Um, what I'm talking about more is we have allowed these hubs to arise without considering the fact that the internet itself is a hub of information. Right. 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 And so we have, you know, Amazon is the biggest marketplace, but why, uh, you know, I, Facebook is the biggest social media site, but why? Right. And Google is the place where you go to find things. But right. it doesn't have to be. There can be other search engines. Oh, and yeah. Like Bing is a search engine. Bing, and, yep. you know, there are other Duck, ways. Duck, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Yahoo was the first search engine. And so you're right. We've what we've done was we've gone to to what 
EverService has made it easy. If I want to watch a mm-hmm. video, if I just go to YouTube, that'll that I can watch a video on YouTube. There are other sites. There's Vimeo and there's Daily Motion and there's all these other places. But for whatever reason, we all just congregate to the same place. I think part of it is just the hassle of remembering to go different places. And like you say, mm-hmm. we're, we're lazy internet netters. It's it's easier if we have one bookmark as opposed to a bunch, I guess. Right. It would be nice if we remembered that the internet is a distributed network and right. actually used it like a distributed network yeah. rather than bingo, letting everything yeah. conglomerate into one spot. There is a is there a human tendency to do that to to want to narrow down rather than have many options? I think it's just easy ease of use. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do. It's the agora, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's the, yeah. the the common meeting place. I'd I'd like to talk to like an economist or a behavioral psychologist and talk about that. Like, I think people tend to have this desire to have fewer options. Not in like you would they would never say it that way, but Mm. I want to winnow down to these are the I go to the grocery store. These are the brands I buy. The grocery store is filled with all kinds of brands, but I usually just only consider the the ones I always get because it's easier. I don't want to have to think about it. I just boom get that one, and I think it's. I think it's a symbol to how people use the internet, how they listen to music, how they watch movies and TV shows. They want to narrow down their options instead of expand them. Mm-hmm. I think you see that even with the way people use Netflix. Like you get on Netflix and you spend an hour looking for something to watch because there's so many different options rather than just picking something. And oh my at gosh. a certain point, it's easier just to be like, I just want one thing. Give it to me. And it's it's not new. When I was a kid, I would go to the bookstore. My mom would be in Lane Bryant shopping for women's clothes. I hated Lane Bryant. Sorry. I think it's gone now. I hated that store. Uh, so I, she would send me <laughs> off to Laureate's or whatever the book, the B. Dalton. I'd, and I'd be in there and I'd be staring at the books and I'd have, you know, 10 bucks burning a hole in my pocket and I couldn't figure out what book to buy or, mm. or worse, Blockbuster, you know, a wall mm-hmm. full of videos, which is basically what you're saying with Netflix is. Yeah. And, and so what did they do? They gave us recommendation engines, you know, Netflix yeah. and whatever. And these are the, you liked this stuff. So you'll probably like this. And what happens is, is our, our options get narrowed down to the things they recommend to us. Yeah, and we, we hit just that filter bubble. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating because sometimes I, I, I go to these, to the various streamers and I'm like, ah, it's the same old stuff over and over again. And my friends are like watching these amazing things. And I'm like, I haven't seen that. <laughs> like, what are you? What, <laughs> that what are you watching? On my list, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I think it's an interesting question. Is uh, you know that that the the narrowing down of choice. It, it's it's it's. I think most people would say they want more choice, but I think by our behavior, we we prefer less. Yeah. Well, I, I think we need to. I think we need to start evaluating where we're making choices. Um, you know, you look at you look at geniuses, like geniuses, and I'm going to use that term loosely, but um, yeah. like Steve Jobs, who wore the same outfit every day. And the reason he did that was because he didn't want to waste his uh, creative energy on choosing clothes in the morning. And I, I think we could all do with a little bit more of that uh, intentional choice that we limit the things that don't matter to us as much. Uh, in the way we're making choices. And, and some of that is consciously and intentionally avoiding those filter bubbles by, you know, 
doing only new videos or going only to your subscription pages on YouTube or, um, you know, where you can. I know Facebook is notorious for not allowing you to, to filter by new, but to filter by new instead of by trending. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about that, that winnowing of intentional winnowing of choice. It, may, it brings to mind, you know, monks in the cell. They, mm-hmm. they, they get rid of all of these worldly things. They, they wear a, a hat, the same habit every day. They eat the same food all the time. They don't have all this extra stuff because winnowing it away lets them save that brain power, the spiritual power for what's important, which is mm-hmm. prayer and work or a labora. And uh, I think there's something to that. And I think, I think that's really what materialism you know, that the, the treasure's warning against materialism is about is it's not so much about the stuff, but it's about how it affects us mm-hmm. uh, and that attention. And, and I think being more intentional about how we use the Internet and not being dragged along by our nose by these companies right. Is, right. is part of that. I think that's a good a good point. And like we talked about with the social dilemma uh, uh, when we had that mm-hmm. discussion. Yeah. So it was never the fruit on the tree. It was the act of taking the fruit that. Exactly. That was the sin, right? That's, That's right. Exactly what it comes back to. Right. You want to, you know, you want to be intentional about the trees. There are other trees you could have gone to. You had to go to the Facebook tree, Adam and Eve, <laughs> instead of to all the other trees. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, I think I've taken that too far. So let's move on then to our picks of the week. Uh, this is our fun time when we make choices of things that we want to talk about. So, Jack, why don't you hit me with your pick of the week this week? All right. My pick of the week is a YouTube channel called Technology Connections. Um, I discovered it recently and I've been watching pretty much just that. Um, It's this guy and he'll go through the history of all these different uh, technologies, a lot of them retro technologies, which I find really interesting. One of my main interests outside of technology is history. And he kind of kind of crosses that divide where he talks about the history of different things. Mm -hmm. So he has a really good uh, series on the history of analog video, which is absolutely fascinating. Um, Something I really like about it is how when you look at all these older technologies before everything was microchips, all the insane, ingenious ways that people came up with displaying video Mm -hmm. or sending radio or all this stuff. And it's just really absolutely fascinating if you're interested in how things work. I, I agree. I love this channel. Uh, think of something like a simple desk fan, just yeah. which is a 120-year-old <laughs> yeah. technology. And it is fascinating how engineeringly complex this that is. And just the, the engineering problems that were solved 100 plus years ago. I loved it. And he, and he does, has such an entertaining, understated presentation mm-hmm. style. Yeah. I really enjoy it. And the pacing is so good on his videos, too. No, it is too. really good. Yes. It's, it's not breakneck, to... ah, frantic. No. It's really good. Even just uh, simple things you don't think about, like uh, how stereo sound works on a vinyl record is absolutely mm-hmm. fascinating. Just all yep. those different things. Well, I tell you, last, this past summer, I was looking at getting a portable air conditioner for my office here and going back and forth whether I should do it or not. And his video on why you shouldn't get portable air conditioners oh, yeah. was was defining <laughs> for me. Uh, great explanation. Really We're buying thorough. our next refrigerator based on the, his recommendation about freezers. <laughs> nice. Exactly. Right. I, I actually, I'll have to look at that. You'll have, I'll have to get that link from you because... Uh, because I'm in the market for a freezer, but uh, it's it it is a great channel, it's a good pick. I, I love it. Uh, all right, uh, Thomas, what's your pick? Okay, so my pick is probably the nerdiest thing I'm going to share on this channel. <laughs> it is um, 
it, and it's a pen it's an analog device but it's uh my current favorite pen i am a huge pen nerd i uh went to the doctor the other day and uh had a fantastic conversation that cost me 90 dollars with him about his uh, fountain pen that he was using. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know anyway uh this this pen is not a fountain pen this is a uh four uh four pen uh four ink pen by uh pilot it's kind of called the pilot high-tech coletto and uh, if you've ever had one of those old bic pens that's got the red black blue oh, and green ink in it i wanted uh, one of those so much when i was a kid yeah yeah see and you love those things yes. right? well well here's the deal this one not only does it have four inks but you can replace them so you pop the top off the back of it and you can replace the inks by just pulling one out and putting a new one in. And they come with all sorts of colors. Um, mine, actually, I have a pencil on it as well, a mechanical pencil. So oh, it's that's a awesome. point, point 0.5 lead mechanical pencil that you wow. can click out. Um, they're well-designed, well-constructed. They're dirt cheap. Uh, they, I think the, the regular body costs about $8.00. And then the inks themselves cost about 20, but you get like 10 different inks in it. And so you can just switch them out. Uh, they last a pretty good long while. I was surprised at how long they last too. Uh, they're gel inks. So they're, um, you know, the rollerball gel inks. So they mm-hmm. write really nicely. Very, very much recommend this pen uh, for anybody who, who likes pens or who cares about the, what they're writing with at all. <laughs> I'm looking at important. it. And they get like you can get eraser in it, like mm-hmm. like one you can replace one of the 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 refills with an eraser. Uh, different kinds of ink you can get in all the different colors. This is pretty amazing. Wow, yeah. this is <laughs> it's, awesome. It's a it's a game changer, man. It's <laughs> really like I'm I'm a huge I, I like fountain pens, so I like writing with fountain pens. But when I found this thing, uh, I I just I forswore my fountain pens, and I'm, I'm wow. going with this almost uniquely. <laughs> Have you tried jamming all the different ones down at once like you used to as a kid, though? That's the important <laughs> question. I don't want to. It's too, it's too nice. <laughs> but, you, but, but you can't. I know you can't because I've looked at the inside of the pen because I've, I've started trying to think about how I could 3D print one of these. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, well, Pilot pens, I, I, I'm a Pilot G2 uh, user. I mm-hmm. love the Pilot pens and I love the way it feels. So uh, I, I heartily recommend the Pilot pens myself. So the Pilot High Tech Coletto. Uh, we'll have a link. You can check it out. So my pick is based on something I just picked up at the Apple store when I was there replacing my lost Apple pencil, which is a whole nother story. I, I don't want to get into it too painful to talk about it yet. But uh, <laughs> while I was there, I, I I wanted this year, I decided I'm putting outdoor Christmas lights out. I haven't done that in a long, in a long time, many years. But 2020 is the year for outdoor Christmas lights. We all need a little more light in our lives. And but I being me, I'm not just going to get regular lights that I have to like a caveman walk out and unplug every night and plug, you know, plug in every night and unplug. I wanted something that was automated. So I the, I picked up the Belkin Wemo Wi-Fi smart outdoor plug, which is HomeKit compatible. Of course, uh, it also works with Echo and Google and, all, and that, too. Um, and it works like you like expect. It has two outlets on it. Um, it even you, you can actually screw it into the wall so it's not laying in like a puddle of water <laughs> in the rain. But it also has outlet covers so you can close it off and it will block out uh, rain. I also wrap mine in gaffer tape just for double extra sure to keep the rain and snow out. But um, and setting it up like all home kit or smart home stuff 
it's harder than it should be. I don't know why. Like, <laughs> it's finding, 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 never finds it. You know what I mean? That that whole nonsense. And then you you do it three more times, and then finally it it sees it. I, I don't know what the problem is. It's like hold your phone near it. It's literally on top of it. Like, why can't you see this? Right. I can see it. <laughs> why can't you? Anyway, but once I got it set up, I now have it set with uh, at uh, thirty minutes before sunset, the lights go on. And at sunrise, the lights go off. I keep them on all night. I have solar panels, so I'm not, I don't worry about that the too much. I get lots of solar power. So, but I like to have them on all night, but they go on and off automatically and I can, I can put them on controls and all that sort of stuff. So it's, uh, and it's 30, it's 40 bucks, but they had a sale going on. So it was on sale for a little bit. It might still be on sale when you go to check it out again uh, for, tw- for 25 bucks on the Belkin site. So give it, a, give it a check. But Save. um Go ahead. So you're like a 21st century uh, Clark Griswold? Yes. Yes. I was saying to my wife, uh, we don't have enough lights yet. You cannot see it from space. So we'll, we'll be, uh, yeah, I, I was, as I plugged it in, I ha- I heard the music in my head from the thing. Da, yes. da, 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 you know, the whole uh, Halloween chorus. And uh, so, yeah, that was, I had that totally in mind. I'm I'm going to get there. I did threaten to put up an inflatable uh, AT-AT with reindeer antlers in Rudolph nose. Uh, that sounds perfect. I got awesome. vetoed on that one, unfortunately. Oh, so. man. <laughs> but this is the way. Anyway, it, is, it, it is the Christmas way. Anyway, so let's, I think that should do it for us before we get a little too crazy. Uh, what do you think of our discussion? We'd love to hear from our listeners. We always love getting your questions or your comments. And uh, we hope to get more from you. If you have questions on uh, Wi-Fi routers or anything else we've discussed, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that by commenting at sqpn.com slash technology or at the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. And you'll find links of everything we talked about from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. If you can, we really do appreciate it when you write a review for us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It really does help, actually, if you when you write a, a nice review there. It uh, helps us get noticed and uh, more listeners, and it really does help a lot. And when you, of course, share the podcast with your friends. So until next time, Jack Barazzini, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Tom. And Thomas Sennerho. Thomas sorry about that. Thank you as well. It was a pleasure being here. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs>